you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, it's Handsome Hank here. Back by popular demand, I want to tell you about Fantasy Football Leagues on FanDuel. Your season-long league is probably over, but the one-week Fantasy Football Leagues on FanDuel have never been bigger. So don't wait till next year. Play more Fantasy Football right now for real cash over at FanDuel.com. A guy called Matt Nichols from Ohio turned a $25 deposit into over twenty-five grand playing Fantasy Football on FanDuel. Join him and hundreds of thousands of other users who've already won money. I'm going to go straight over to FanDuel, start with an entry fee at just $1, set my lineup each week, and win every week because I know I'm good enough, and I'm guessing you probably are too. Damashek, not so much. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use Dave's code DDFP, and sign up right now. There's a new user special at the moment, so FanDuel will give you a bonus of up to 200 bucks on your first deposit, and for every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to $200. That offer's only good for the first 50 people that use the code DDFP. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on Stitcher, iTunes, and NFL.com slash Shek. Week 15 just about wrapped up. We know more than enough about it to kibitz with you about it over these next few minutes here. And currently, here in Studio 66, maximum strength. It's just me, and behind the glass is Black Tie, the producer, but in a matter of moments, that will be fixed when Coach Brian Billick 
one of the hosts of the great uh, coaches show on NFL media. The great coaches show. I love that show. Yeah, it's great I show. like it. In fact, this week you make sure My you favorite make, podcast. Make sure, I don't know why you would say that. That's unnecessary when we're Truth. in the midst of doing this one. The what I will say, however, is that uh, Coach Billick shares a great gem of uh, from his coaching past of something that Mike Martz and Dick Vermeil said on the field before Kurt Warner made his debut when he replaced Trent Green, what those two coaches told Brian Billick about Kurt Warner's future and where that Rams team was headed. You'll want to check that out, so make sure you tune into the Coaches Show to hear that. In the meantime, we have much to kibitz about, like I say, both conferences now lining up. So many different ways you can chop it up and see who you know who's going to get in, where they're going to be seated. I'm fascinated by the fact, as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that the Steelers' victory now puts against uh, Atlanta, and a tough one it was, that it now sets up, if the Steelers beat the Chiefs in Pittsburgh next week, they're in the playoffs. And if you break down the AFC North, the Ravens, are perhaps the best of the trio that still is in contention. Let's assume Johnny Football's gang is now out of it. The Ravens, to me, appear to be the best of that group, but they're in third place right now. However you break it up, it would appear that that two of those three teams are not just going to get in, but they're going to be playing each other in the first round. That's sort of the way I read it. And then on the other side... That Bills game for the Packers, you look at it, and there were so many other games going on on Sunday. I didn't have that close an eye on that one until the fourth quarter. And you say, well, they're still the, the Packers are still losing up in Buffalo. Real, I mean, I'm waiting for Aaron Rodgers to pull a magic trick, and they're going to end up pulling that game out. And instead, the Bills get them. And in the meantime, the Seahawks take care of business in the clink, aided by, to me, and just an atrocious, atrocious roughing the passer call. I picked the Niners on Sunday, and I will say this. I'm not going to make excuses, but if they don't call that roughing the passer call at the spot they do, it's 13-7, assuming the field goal is good from the Seahawks. That game is completely different. So I think the Niners still could have won that one, and yet here we sit. The Seahawks look like the best team. I'm not ready to back off, though, Black Tie. What I've been saying for six weeks now that the Seahawks are definitely, you know, I, I said the Seahawks and Niners are both going to miss the playoffs. Now, sure enough, the Niners are out. The Seahawks, everybody is tweeting me, all the 12s, shame on you. Do you want to change your pick now? Aren't you embarrassed? Hey, guess what? The Seahawks still ain't in the playoffs. They have to go to Arizona and beat the Cardinals to secure for sure a playoff spot. I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. How say you, Black Tide? That's crazy talk. You don't think the Seahawks are going to beat the Cardinals? They barely just beat. Ryan Lindley I get it. Ryan Lindley has zero pass touchdowns in his career and seven interceptions. He is horrible. All right, we'll ask uh, Coach Brian Billick this. We'll ask Brian Billick that when he gets in here. But I will say this. The Arizona Cardinals have a good defense, too. And they barely just beat the 49ers, did the Seahawks, at home. I could see them. I mean, look, 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 the Seahawks did. Uh, I mean, what the Cardinals, I know the Rams aren't a good offensive team, but again, that Cardinals defense delivered another peach when they had to have it. I mean, look, while the story was, wait, the backup QB's knees hurt now? Now we have Ryan Lindley? Now what are we going to do? But they still won that game. Imagine the, the, that their quarterback goes out, their backup QB goes out during the game. It's a road game. 
They go. They they Ryan Lindley, who is not a very good quarterback. In the midst of all that, they still won that game. The difference is obviously the Rams' offense is not the not the Seahawks. For crying out loud, Marshawn Lynch versus Trey Mason or whoever it is. That's the but that's not the matchup. The matchup is Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson against that Cardinals defense. What do you see that makes you think? Oh yeah, Marshawn Lynch will keep it rolling. I uh, yeah. The, the last five the six you, weeks. Yes, but they haven't played a team that whose skill set is to stuff that sort of an offense. I think that they have just, a shot I don't there. Think they stand a chance, Ryan Lindley. If I'm wrong though, if I'm wrong though, and the Seahawks do get that number one seed, I feel like who's going up there and beating them? Who's that? We, we already know, and I don't. And the other issue is so the two Super Bowl visitors a year ago, the reigning champions and the Denver Broncos are now all about running the football. That's all we, The Seahawks, you knew, were that, ki- were, were that way. But now the Broncos, Peyton Manning is, there's something wrong there. And, I, you know, listen, this isn't, you know, Peyton hating or whatever people might accuse me of. I'm I just a, wrote that narrative can shove that one where the sun don't shine. I didn't write it, Peyton, although I did at the Super Bowl tell you I was the one, and you told me, and I asked you if I could take it out, and you said, no, keep it up there. That's what Peyton told me. That, uh, that's, that's I a heard you and Peyton are not friends. Well, Peyton didn't want to be in an interview with me yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah, he doesn't shut like down last minute by Peyton Manning himself. He doesn't like truth. What that do you want? Be, that should be like a career achievement, though. You know, he I, knew who I he no, was. He knew who you were, and he turned you down. You know what, Black Tie? Here he is coming through the door now. Let's stop. I want to talk about Peyton Manning and the rest of what we're seeing here. Bring him on in here, Coach Brian Billick. You'll listen to All right, this is exciting. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again now. I love the Coaches Show. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com, just like all the other podcasts coming out of NFL media. I'm looking forward to kibitzing with this fella. You know, it wasn't that long ago I considered him an arch nemesis, and not that long ago he probably had the same frame of mind he has about me now, which is, Wait, who's that guy? I don't. Anyway, here he is, everybody. The world champion himself, Coach Brian Billick. What's the poop, fella? Hey, I'm just I, I'm I'm the biggest Steeler advocate there is right now. We I'm I'm the one pounding away, going. If there's a team that can beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough, I think the only team capable of it is your Pittsburgh Steelers. If if we get this schizophrenic team, if we get the good Pittsburgh Steelers, not the bad Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I, you know, on one hand, I appreciate it, and I hate to say it to anyone who is a Steelers fan listening to me. Obviously, Coach Billick's opinion carries more weight, but I, I disagree with you because what we've seen over the years is hard to argue against, which is Tom Brady just spreads out that Steelers defense, the Dick LeBeau defense, and picks them apart. It's a slow death every time. And he always, there's at least one play in every Patriots-Steelers game where Tom Brady embarrasses Troy Polamalu for guessing wrong. He exposes him at least yeah, once Yeah, but the again. counter, and I'm not saying I would pick Pittsburgh over mm-hmm. New England in Foxborough, but it's the combination of, I love Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. The physicality that they can challenge the Patriots defense with, Ben making those patented, you get home, but it doesn't matter. He shucks you off and throws the ball down the field. A lot to Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. And Antonio Brown, the explosiveness in the way Ben can break down that defense, make a Browner or a Revis think they've got him covered, and then all of a sudden now he makes that. I, I worry about that, your Steeler defense the same way. More so the big plays. 
They're near last in the league and giving up big plays. If they can keep Tom Brady from generating the big plays down the field, then I think they'd have a chance. Can't well, believe you're bailing on the Steelers. And I'm no, su- no, and not I'm bailing them. at all. And I absolutely agree with you that uh, forget just the Patriots. I think of these teams that are still out there that may or may not even get into the mix. I think the wild card no one wants to see coming to town in week one is the Steelers because of yeah. exactly what you say. And Rob. I think they're the only team that can go into Foxborough that I can see that snare. I can't see Peyton Manning going again as much as my Ravens are good. That That's what I was going to say. Why not the Ravens? Well, that secondary is just – you talk about Tom Brady taking advantage of something, hmm. that he would just rip that secondary a new one. And that would be – so if I had to choose right now, I can't believe I'm saying this because they'll probably close the bridge and not let me back into Baltimore. Hmm. But But – if I had to choose which team, and I, I have to tonight on TA, um, I don't think anybody can go in and beat New England, but if I had to put my money on one team that had the assets to do it, I think it would probably be the Steelers. All right, let's figure – I have so many questions for you, and already, based on a couple of things you say, I could uh, devote the next four hours to, to asking some questions to you. So let's go with in between here, week 15 and week 16, and get your thoughts on a couple of things. First of all, if any team in the AFC can go into Foxborough and maybe knock them off, I assume most people would expect that team to be the Denver Broncos. What's going on with Peyton Manning? You know, even since September, the ball is fluttering more. It just dies in the air, it seems. I, it, it, that remains to be seen. Their recommitment to the running game, which is a good thing. When I say recommitment, we talk about this on Playbook all the time and show examples. It's no longer just the number count, the box is right, I'll hand off the trap or the draw. This is a orchestrated, we're going to run the ball. And I don't care what your front is. And that's something they haven't done before. And that's a good thing. I think they're – just remember now, they've won doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that means getting into the playoffs or if they've got to face the Seattle Seahawks again or whomever, that they have that component that they haven't had in the past. Having said that, um, let's remember Tom Brady, you know, old man t- time is undefeated, mm-hmm. okay? And I-, I think there could be an issue if indeed there's something going on that's been unreported by the Denver Broncos. If he's got some nerve thing going on or, you know, whatever, if there's something to that or if it's just he's, he's fatigued, at some point Peyton Manning is going to fall off that curve. Are we there? I don't, we said that about Tom Brady at the start of the season. We all look stupid right now. So I'm not saying we're, I'm not saying we're there yet, but, but it's worth keeping an eye on. I am really intrigued. Yeah, you know, the stuff that you see on Sunday in San Diego, what's wrong with him? You don't know. We still don't know exactly. Was it the flu? Was it a quad? What gives? And to your point, yeah, I wrote about that last week, that very line, as a matter of fact, that Father Time is undefeated, and the idea that a 38-year-old man with a history of nerve trouble is going to to disprove that theory is uh, you're you're more optimistic than me if you think that's going to happen. And I am curious to see if some team, like the Broncos, especially the way their defense is getting it going now, if they just say, I mean, the the way the Patriots, I should say, are, are now better and better at taking the runaway, if they can just stack it up and say, hey, Peyton Manning, throw it over our heads and, yeah. and see if that works. Interesting scenario. And I will tell you, when a player reaches that point, it's not a gradual fall off. Mm-hmm. It's a cliff. I don't know that we're that point with, with Peyton Manning. Uh, but – but we're not far off from it that when that when you make that turn, when the physical – because particularly in the NFL, I mean, I'm an old man, and, and when my tennis game starts to go, it's a gradual decline because I'm so bad. Uh, but when you're – you have to play at an elite level in the NFL. When you make that turn, as subtle as it is, you and I would not recognize it. But what, what's that old saying? Some concert violinist said, if I don't practice for three days – 
then the audience will know. If I don't practice for two days, the conductor will know. If I don't practice for one day, I know. And maybe only Peyton Manning will know. But when you go off that, when that happens, it's a cliff. It's not a gradual decline. Yeah, and I assume uh, so much of it has to do with that uh, self-confidence. And if you are deprived of that, then, uh, yeah, it, it informs the decisions you make out there. Real quick, before we transition from the highs of Peyton Manning to what we saw from Johnny Football <laughs> in his debut as a starter, I've always wanted to kibitz with you quickly about this. The 1998 Minnesota Vikings. I, along, you know, we mentioned my uh, fandom and uh, and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. 2004, they were 15-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger, a rookie that I year. I remember that year. The Patriots upset them in Heinz Field. It was a frigid night. I sat in the stands and uh, my tears dried before they even reached uh, the middle of my cheek. But if the Steelers at 15-1 and one in 2004 aren't the best team not to win a Super Bowl, how much does that stick in your craw oh. those years later? Because that I, was the suit as a fan. And I don't go, I don't go a month that in the, in the airport or someone subman doesn't bring that. It's like, well, great. I'm, I'm just now <laughs> sleeping through the night. I appreciate you bringing that up again. Here, here's apologize. a question for you because I think you are the voice of the fans. Imagine you as a Steeler fan and transport that to being a Minnesota Viking fan and the history of the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl losses. Right. People forget in that game, even though we clearly should have won the game against Atlanta and gone to the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos, we lost five starters on that defense that last series. Hmm. that probably would have not played in the Super Bowl. Now, what would be tougher on you as a fan if you're a Minnesota Viking fan, losing the way we did on that promise of a 15-1 year and not going to play Denver, or going to the Super Bowl and losing once again as a Minnesota Viking? I love these sorts of speculative questions about, you know, what what is worse. What you're sort of talking about is, until the Red Sox finally won that World Series, their story was tough luck, tough luck, postseason losses you know the you know just crushing losses is that better or is it better to be a Cubs fan and know by June you're out of it every year pretty much and and that is a a tough one I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna play fast and loose with the question and say I'll take the Super Bowl because I don't think that Broncos team was all that good I think you're you're right I'm with you and and I think we could have beaten the Broncos however uh, and for me, it was tough because, you know, I love being in Minnesota, but I literally that night went from Minnesota and the next day now I'm on the head coaching mm. carousel and it's, you know, a bunch of teams involved and whatever. I didn't have time really to mourn that loss, the, the, to feel the gut-wrenching emotional impact of it. Because you're right, we were going to the Super Bowl and the fans, and it was a magical time. Uh, but I always think about that, how tough it would have been for the fans because I'm back in Minneapolis all the time. We go back to we go back there every summer up to a cabin up in Lake Vermilion. Uh, how tough it would have been on them to go with all that promise and then lose once to again. another Super Bowl yeah. Yeah, and, and come up short there. Um, all right, let's talk about Johnny football. Oh. And, you know, it occurs to me, obviously, you're one of the great uh, play callers um, of the last quarter century or so. Did it the, watching that game? I, I was thinking, why are they not using the read option here? This is, I mean, what was it a mat? I guess what I'm asking is, did the, did the Browns just say, well, listen, the quarterbacks, the quarterback, our offense is the offense, go run our offense? Didn't they need to modify it for Johnny's particular yeah, skill set? Yeah, we saw a number of the the boots and waggles off the read option that set that up. Then he got outside the pocket because you knew that's where they were going to go to throw the ball. I'll, I'll argue the other way because you're right. We probably should have seen more of that to give him a chance to be successful. But let's say they did. What what do we, what do we know about Johnny Manziel? Because you're not going to win that way. Hmm. You aren't. I, I For me, the Cleveland Browns over the next two weeks, 
and Johnny Manziel. This is the guy they took with the 22nd pick of the draft, moved back up to get him, and I've got to ident- you know, disqual- my, disqualify myself a little bit because I don't like Johnny Manziel. I don't like him as a player. I don't like him as a person. Having said that, they got to find out. Give me something, mm-hmm. anything in the next two games to make me believe you've got any potential whatsoever to be a, 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 a player a competent quarterback in the National Football League. And if it's just running read option and running around and making some plays, I don't know that they find that something. We know he can do kind of that. The number one thing I want to see, I want to see in this game in the next two weeks. And I would tell him as much and see how he responds to it. You know what I need to see? Forget about the winning or losing. Forget about that. Because as a typical rookie, let's say after the next two games he has four touchdowns and seven interceptions, and he's under 60%, which most rookies, particularly coming in late, are going to have. I want to see him scramble around, make a guy miss, find his way in the end zone, score a touchdown, and not come up with the money sign. <laughs> Show me you know enough not to do that. But if you hold on to that, after the pathetic performance you had on Sunday, and now you go in and we're losing like they were against Buffalo, and you come up doing that, that reaffirms to me you got no clue what it takes to play in this game and never will. That is a really interesting thought. Yeah, given that their season, their playoff hopes are now gone. And they're got- still right there. So people could, you know, their, their path to getting there is yeah, very yeah, convoluted. Right. It could happen, but right. So let's look at the uh, AFC North and the teams that really, I mean, let's assume the Browns are not going to get in. What's it like preparing? Because it certainly looks like, and 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 by the way, the possible matchups are, are delightful for any fan out there. You know, you think about the Packers maybe going to yeah. Seattle or maybe the Seahawks going to Lambeau. Either way, um, it looks to me in the AFC like you're going to get Pittsburgh at Cincy or vice versa, or maybe the Ravens in Cincy, or maybe even the Ravens at Pittsburgh. We could flip that one. What's it like preparing when you know we might see this team a third time or preparing a third time around? Did you ever go? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Steelers Played your Steelers. Once. Yeah, you right. Know, and, and, and uh, you know, it, it adds another dimension to it. And I, I'll say this, going into the season, I said, I think that there's going to be three teams out of the AFC North that go into the playoffs. And we got about mid-season, about two weeks ago, I'm thinking, boy, how stupid am I? That's just, but here we sit with the fourth, fifth, and sixth seed right now being Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, or, or Pittsburgh, excuse me, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. And that, that will be altered a little bit, but I think we could very easily see that. It adds another dimension because um, the familiarity you have with one another when you play each other twice, and particularly when you're talking about, in that case, when we did it, uh, Bill Cowers, the head coach, and, and, and what I was doing in Baltimore, what he was doing in Pittsburgh, and you played each other so consistently, it adds another dimension because it's one thing to play each other twice in the season, but now you go into the playoffs, and now you could drive yourself nuts. I always say, half jokingly, it's like a bad Abbott and Costello routine because you end up <laughs> going through this forever. Well, they know that I know they know I know. So we're going to do this, but they're going to know that. So I'm, now I'm going to do – because it doesn't take – it. you know, you, you can drive yourself nuts, particularly on what is typically – if you're going to play each other, that means you're in the wild card. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't be playing someone in your own division. Um, and in that first week, it's still different. We played, we played Miami in the wild card and beat them, and Pittsburgh was a one or two seed. And then so we went to Pittsburgh, 
and lost to Pittsburgh. Um, so that adds another dimension to 37, it. 37-17? It was. We did not play well. Randall Cunningham uh, had actually come in and, and actually played pretty good. We were run the ball pretty good. And then just I – mean, actually, was let me back that up, was Elvis Gerbach. And if I'd have known Elvis was going to – because the biggest question I got was, well, why didn't you change? Why didn't you go to, to Randall? And I had been with Randall in Minnesota and Baltimore, knew that Randall coming off the bench was only so good. Give him the game plan and wrap it around, fine. But off the bench, it was limited. Uh, but if I'd have known Elvis Gerbach was going to retire, because also it was, I can't bail on Elvis. He's going to be our guy next year. Hmm. He really had had a good year, got us into the playoffs, um, which was rare for a you know, reigning Super Bowl champ, because that was after our Super Bowl year. Uh, and, 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 and we had no running game, and uh, our offensive line was hurt, and Elvis really did a nice job, and then ended up retiring. I, it's remar- I, I love talking to guys like you who are in it, and fans so often forget – that there is a human element people refuse to accept. But, yeah, you are you have a relationship with Elvis Gerbach and commitments were made. I, I, those little insights are fascinating. So now let's turn it to the situation in Arizona with what the Cardinals have going, soaring high, obviously. And if they – you know, the idea that the Seahawks are rolling and, and all that and it, and it seems as though they're headed to the number one seed – I don't hand them victory this Sunday, even with Ryan Lindley in there or Logan Thomas, or am I crazy? What would he, I mean, first of all, is Ryan Lindley the right call there? It is, but it's not going to be good enough. Not good enough to beat no, the No, you got to give Bruce Arians a great deal of credit. His passion about it. We're going to win with anybody, and I understand that. You're in it. You step back dispassionately and look at what I've got. People are constantly saying, well, they can be your, your 2,000 Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. right? Great defense. Wait a minute. That Raven team, one, was the greatest single-season defense in the history of the game. This Arizona defense is pretty damn good, but I don't know if they're the greatest single-season defense in the game. Two, we were the second-rated rushing attack in the league. Mm-hmm. So we had great defense. We were running the ball. And I had an experienced Trent Dilfer that was perfect for that team because he had he knew when to push the envelope and when to be more conservative because he had, what, 76 starts before he came to me. That's not what you have in Arizona. you got a really good defense, really good defense a suspect running game. They actually ran pretty good last week, but uh, we're going to see a lot more of that going forward. And a young quarterback that's got this is this is awful big for him. This this is maybe beyond his skill set. Well, this is something I've asked a lot of people and this uh will wrap it up um if you can provide some insight in this one. You know, especially, it's the 21st century. All we've heard for the last three or four years, quarterback league, all the rules suit uh, the offenses to sling it all over the place. Isn't it remarkable then, in light of that, that it looks like the teams that are ready now for the postseason and are really exposing the so- the so-called softer teams, a.k.a. the Eagles look suddenly pretty suspect. We don't even know if they'll get there. But when they go against a rugged bunch like the Seahawks, it feels like they get exposed. That being said, are, are, does your jaw drop at the Seahawks' ability to basically run football's version of the pick and roll and not be stopped doing it? All they do is Russell Wilson sometimes gives it to Marshawn Lynch, sometimes keeps it. That sets up him rolling and throwing to Doug Baldwin. How are they this effective in the 21st century that this is maybe football's best team? Because at the end of the game, this football is not basketball on grass. And, and yes, I mean, when I say to win with that formula, you've got to play great defense, run the ball, and have a quarterback that can give you 20, 25 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, which is just what Russell Wilson does. Now, let's go back to the formula. You've got to play great defense, not good defense. I mean 
great defense. Because otherwise, and they play with tight margins now. Even that 49er mm-hmm. yep. team that's struggling, that was a closer game. Um, with a with a with an all time really bad uh, uh, roughing the passer call that absolutely. would have left at 13 and, seven. And a 49er team that every play someone was going out with Gore going yep. out, and yep. then and then uh, Carlos Hyde went down, and a couple guys on defense, and they were beat up to begin with. And taking nothing away from the Steelers' win, so that's a tight margin for victory when you do it that way. And and Russell Wilson for what they're doing is and 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 we talked about this. The reason Johnny Manziel was twenty second pick of the draft, in my opinion, was Russell Wilson. Hmm. Somebody in that Denver or that Cleveland uh, uh, brain trust when it came to drafting, going, oh, he he'll be Russell Wilson. No, he he won't. But he if Russell Wilson had not existed, I don't believe Johnny Manziel would have been drafted in the in the first round. But that aside. It is a unique combination, um, and Russell, and and it diminishes a little bit how good I think Russell Wilson is. His numbers aren't going to be staggering, um, but yeah, good defense, and that's what makes this, I think, Detroit interesting because I think they're a much better defense uh, uh, than they, certainly, and they've got that potential for the offensive explosion. I'm talking about the NFC now. You're talking about um, the Seahawks are there. The Cowboys' defense is better. They've, but they're, what's their formula? They're going to run the ball. That was the thing that impressed me about the Eagles game. The old Cowboys would have folded. Hmm. Jumped up 21. Eagles came back. But those next two drives where they didn't panic, they pounded away at dark Marco Murray, and they finally said, you know what, Des Bryant against that guy over there, uh, whoo, touchdown. You know what, let's do that again. Let's do, and I was surprised. That, I think it's a little stubborn on Billy Davis's part, Eagles, because he had to stop the run, but he didn't give more help to Des, you know, to Des Bryant's side. Um, that scenario usually was disaster for the Dallas Cowboys. That that was an impressive game, an impressive second half to me. The way the old Cowboys would not have fought through that. It's a, well, that's a fascinating, uh, yeah, and I guess that says a lot about Romo as well and uh, and um, what they've got going there. Yeah, suddenly they appeared to me a month ago. I thought, all right, the smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's a Marinelli, impressive job, but that's going to fade away at some point. The Eagles will, will whip them again up in Philly, but now it's the Eagles who might be and the And taking, they, they, now, they're not a great defense. I think no. we kind of for a while there thought, boy, look, this is, no. The, but but being in mid, you know, midway in the league, is a far cry from what they were the year before. So that was a mm-hmm. huge – I mean, how good are you as a coordinator if you can take your team from 15 to 9? Mm-hmm. Well, that's good, but not near as good as the guy that can take it from last in biblical proportions hmm. to even middle of the league. Um, all right, now i got to ask you one more thing, actually. Is uh, Jim Harbaugh certainly, it seems to be, uh, a fait accompli now for him with the Niners. How easy do you expect it to be for, and I use the word easy, and as a, as a head coach, you'll probably say, no, it's never easy. But shouldn't somebody be able to roll in there and, and make that team a playoff team again, a double day? It felt poisoned from the second you heard Jim Harbaugh. Navarro Bowman has the bum knee and all this. You knew coming trouble, in, you given all messed. that, the contract, he wanted a new contract. I think we're going to find with the, with the 49ers, because it's an, a roster that is getting a little older. You still have questions about the quarterback now. Like any organization, it's a great combination of Jim Harbaugh and, and Trent Belke and the ownership, and they're going to go their separate ways, and they're going to find out they're not as good individually as they were collectively. Jim 
Harbaugh is going to go someplace and realize being total control. He may be the first $10 million coach in the NFL. Uh, ooh, you know what? That other stuff was pretty good. And Trent Belke is going to find out, you know what? That quarter, that, that coach was pretty good and was a key element in terms of how we put this thing together. I think both parties, if they split, are going to find, ooh, we're not, you know, a.k.a. Uh, Jimmy Johnson who went on to Miami and failed miserably, and Jerry Jones, who mm-hmm. since, you know, right away, obviously you could plug in, you know, anybody to, to coach that team. Wanted, but then – then found, oh, you know what? It's uh, harder to sustain. It's interesting because Kaepernick is under contract, so I assume the coach that they bring in will be informed by how much he's excited about trying to get Kaepernick back to where he was uh, last year and the year before that. All right, listen, Coach Brian Billick, make sure you check out the Coaches Show. Always great stuff, again, on NFL.com, iTunes, and Stitcher, and we appreciate the time dealing with our foolishness. We see you messing around on NFL Network with Football Baby. You know? Love it. I love it. I love Football <laughs> Baby. It's my favorite right now. And I accused you of always tilting him a little bit. I notice you're also showing yourself now putting him straight up. I always thought you were kind of tilting him the way you wanted his to go. His head is – listen, I the know, baby's I head know. is 90%. The weight is 90% of his head. What can I do? I'm barely taking – you, 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 I bought in over the last couple of times because I saw you trying to do it straight, straight I appreciate up. that. Thank you, uh, and thanks for the time. Coach Brian Billick, again, it's the Coaches Show. Oh, and at Coach Billick is how you track him down on Twitter. Great fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Dave. Dave. I like this fella. I, you know what? I, 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 you know, like Jerry Orbach says at the end of Dirty Dancing, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. And in this, I don't know if I would say I'm wrong as a guy who was a Steelers fan when he was coaching the Ravens. I didn't want to like him. I didn't want to like any of the Ravens. But now I've grown up a bit, and I've come to realize that even guys who coach or play for the arch nemesis sometimes prove to be nice fellas. And i got to say that about the Baltimore Ravens, generally speaking. A lot of nice guys we've met from there. You know, we, uh, over the last few years, we've, uh, we've met some, uh, some nice fellas. Billick with some uh, interesting thoughts there on Manziel and Peyton. So much to go. I didn't get to ask him everything I wanted to, Black Tie. we got to make this well, uh, happen again. Yeah, check out the coaches show, man. NFL All right, now. but that's not what I want. I want, I want, I want to, uh, you know, ask him my questions. And by the way, you oversee a lot of podcasts, Black Tie, here. How come I never get asked on those podcasts? Why am I not asked on Move the Sticks? Vic, aren't you like the... What is it? The grandfather of all podcasts? So, so what? You- well, so that's right. I should be honored by being asked onto these shows. Class well, it up a little bit. Who's have, this Jeremiah? Have, I think you, he is. You have been around the NFL a few times. We'll get you a move the stake sooner or later. Well, don't do me any favors. You know, <laughs> I thought that was interesting too on the 1998 Vikings. What uh, what Coach Brian Billick had to say too. Um, so, oh, and by the way, football baby. I love that uh, Brian Billick. I love watching him when they show Football Baby on the network and him reacting to it. Mind you, this was a guy who coached in a Super Bowl, and now he has to watch a baby tip over. It's, it's, uh, it's it amuses insane. me and embarrasses me at the same time. But Football Baby, <laughs> Warren Sapp brought him out on the game day morning this week, and uh, the fellows all loved him, which was, uh, which was fun to see. Football Baby tipping over 3-2 and two was, his, uh, was his mark this past Sunday, and that takes him to a soaring 20-6. and six. Pending the Monday night result at the time of this recording, um, I well, I'll, well, I can tell you. I already know who he picked. He picked the New Orleans Saints. Damon Shack's a genius. Thank you, AJ Hawk. Um, boy, we got to get Hawk on. We're coming up on the end of the year here, Black Tie. We need AJ Hawk. 
We need Ike Taylor. We need to go. We got to play the greatest hits, as they say. Those are our favorites. We got to get them on before Christmas or at least uh, New Year's Eve, because the Shecky Awards are coming up, and those two will be nominees. I can tell We're you that right. Now. Yep. Yeah. What? Terrence Newman. Terrence Newman also needs to be. Yeah. Well, Terrence Newman's another guy I'd like to talk to. Although, again, back to where. Shecky. Back to where we started, though. We're. I'm in a current rivalry. Coach Billick isn't with the Ravens anymore, so I can I can speak with him. But, you know, Terrence Newman, Cincinnati Bengals, last year he suggested I go to Heinz Field and be a guest of the Cincinnati Bengals Double and stand, stand on the sidelines and root for the Bengals. I can't do it. I like Terrence Newman. But shame the devil if I would ever wear the orange and black in Pittsburgh, I would be, you know, I would, I wouldn't be allowed back in, as Billick said about uh, about going back to Baltimore for himself. Black tie, real quick. What do we think about uh, Kobe Bryant? Do you want to say that you were wrong, like Jerry Orbach, and and honor Kobe Bryant for his career achievement? No, it was cool to see, you know, a cool piece of history. You know, that's one of Kobe Bryant's main goals. I always said Kobe's Kobe's main goal was not to win all these championships that people think. He's not that team player. Kobe's main goal was always to be better than Michael Jordan. Winning titles and championships are just a means to an end. So this is obviously on a checklist, and it's a cool moment to see for sure. But obviously, it's not a big deal. So like the Kobe, I don't think I don't think Michael Jordan cares. It's exactly. not like it's, it's not, not like a, he was Kyle the all-time. Malone is number two. If That's... right, it's exactly right. If Michael Jordan was the all-time leading scorer, he would be upset by it. But it's like, oh, yeah, what? So yeah. I'm not. So I wasn't. I wasn't first anyway. So yeah. you passed me. So another guy passed me. I mean. Does anybody think Carl Malone was better than me? Yeah. No. So then what do I care Kobe about this? It only took Kobe three or four more seasons to make it happen. You know, and it's, it's yeah. By game, if you if you count up the number of games, it uh, took Kobe something uh, like 160 or 180 more games to get to that mark than yeah. it took Michael Jordan. But Kobe Jordan. moment is seen nonetheless, for sure. I don't know. What a, You know what? <laughs> that that story is, is tired, and Lakers fans don't like it, just like Peyton fans think I dislike him on a personal level. I'm just telling you what is. If you think Kobe, for all the all the hyperbole, he's a killer, he's an assassin, he gets in your face because that's how much he wants to win, well, you can't say that about him, really, because if he cared that much about winning, he would have taken a Dirk Nowitzki-type deal or a Tim Duncan-type deal and made it team-friendly yep. and been able to bring in more talent. He Kobe's didn't want to do that. His way. That's he's right. about winning his way. I don't like these players you've given me. Hey, sorry, Kobe. Uh, you're the one who took up $49 million. What do you want me to do? I can't really bring anybody in here with forty when you've taken pretty much all the money we have. No, i so. got to ask you, though, speaking of hoops, the Kings apparently fired their, their coach recently, and the talk is they want to employ a 4-5 and five defensive cherry-picking scheme. I love it. Is there any sort of crazy NFL strategy you would love to see employed? Well, I, I'd like to give this a little more thought, um, but I, you know, the, but I do love that they have decided. First of all, one thing I would do if I were an NFL offensive coordinator: a lot more screens, a lot of screen passes, a lot of screen, pl- yeah. Not the bubble screen, mind you. I'm talking the traditional old. Except I would roll my quarterback out and have him throw it back into the middle of the field. That's what you do. If you have a mobile QB, you run a little play action into the line. You roll your guy out and then throw back to, to the, the running back the who just came in. I think that's a clever little play. But I like this thing that the NFL is now discussing of making the goalposts narrower. I, for many moons, said 
that field goals are too easy for these guys. They, when the game was, come, you know, 40 years ago, back in the 60s, the, goal, the goalposts were wider, then the kickers got better because they were sidewinders. You know, it wasn't in the early 60s, as I've said, I've told you this before, Paul Hornig made a third of his field goal attempts over the course of a season. A third of them. Think how much that is warped now by today's standard. If you make 70% of your field goal attempts, you wouldn't come close to an NFL roster. So, and by the way, it's not like they were trying 57-yard field goals in the early 60s very often. These guys are making longer field goals with much greater consistency than, than their forefathers. Not that that's a bad thing because guys are faster and can throw the ball, uh, you know, presumably a little bit uh, more accurately and deeper and everything else too. But the game is thrown off. The strategy is thrown off. I say if you want to, if you want to, you know, tamp down scoring just a little bit and make it more about line of scrimmage type of offense versus defense, then then narrow those goalposts, or as like I've said, put a crossbar across the top too, make it a box that they have to kick it into. That would be make it a lot harder for those kickers. Or you make it so that they have to be head-on kickers, no sidewinders. Or you make it so that your kicker has to play five plays from the line of scrimmage. Therefore, it would weed out all the five foot four guys who ha- who don't know or care about football. All they care about is that they didn't make it in soccer, so now they've picked up a uh, uh, consolation prize called football and are now playing that. See, that's my rule change. No, I totally agree with you. I do think like the worst, the most anticlimactic moment in sports is that last minute drive that you know only needs a field goal to win the game. It's like it's like winding the clock down in basketball. And with the one second left, you take free throws to win it. It's just the worst. Like, it's no, let's get, let's make it harder. It needs to be strategy again. I totally agree with you on that point. I think my crazy rule, though, is we should see teams use two quarterbacks more, you know? I feel like it's That's said, a fun idea. I feel like if a team went into training camp saying, okay, we're going to have to use these two quarterbacks more. We're going to come up with schemes and stuff like that. I feel like they will, like legitimately, but, you know. It's an interesting idea. Couldn't the Cardinals, I mean, wouldn't with week 16 big game against the Seahawks, but I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, Bruce Arians is a clever guy. Maybe he can install some direct snaps to John Brown. Just do something to put that Seahawks defense on its heels a little bit. I thought that the 49ers with, you know, when they're third in uh, an era to go and fourth in an era to go, which is basically what they were against the Seahawks on Sunday, you know, they were really, this is the end. This was their last chance to go out with a bang, take down their arch rival in Seattle. That would have been a big story. And running the fullback up the gut on fourth and inches seemed lame to me. Run some play action. Roll out your your guy, your superhuman uh, skilled QB. Have him roll him out. Throw a deep ball to Vernon Davis. Do something jazzy. I I didn't care for that. That's the only way you're going to have to make a splashy play against the Seahawks in order to beat them, given the way they're playing. They're not allowing a lot of points. They're not scoring a lot of points. If you can create a touchdown with some trickery, and I know some coaches have, you know, an ego about that, that that's selling out. I think that's the, you know, and I think Arians is not at all that sort of old school guy. Obviously, he's not that old school sort of coach. Be on the lookout for some some uh, some nonsense going on from the Cardinals in a good way. I think they're going to have some fun. Patrick Peterson, who knows? Maybe you'll see something to try and get them 
an extra seven points, which would be massive in a game against Seattle with two good defenses. I think you're right on the money on that one because there's no way they're going into that with Ryan Lindley as their own. But they're not going up there. They're co- Seattle's coming going down. Going into that, just I know. But the Seahawks the have lost three road games now. It's not, they're not unbeatable. They're four and three on the road. Ryan Lindley, bro. All right. I I, well, that I agree with. That I agree with. That's why I would roll with Logan Thomas. At least he gives you. A, the unknown factor, that, uh, which is what I was counting on with Johnny Football, and that didn't exactly. I mean, work if you out, look but. at if you look at even Johnny's first drive, not this game, last in Week 14, his first drive or first two drives, he comes in and scores a touchdown because there is that unknown factor. The defense has to yeah. be like, wait, what are we doing? What are you preparing yeah, for? There's exactly. nothing you can't prepare. That's the point. You have nothing on Logan Thomas, so good luck preparing for him. What are you going to do, Seattle? All right, well that's it. Great times Before with. Before we the get coach. out of here, have you seen? Have you been watching Homeland this season? No. Oh. Good. Yeah, it's a lot better because remember, season one was really good. Season two and three got man. Season four is picked about. I'd listen. I'd like to talk more with you about this and some other shows I've been watching of late. But uh, you know, like I say, no jive here in Studio Sixty Six, and uh, I have to make water. So. <laughs> Alrighty. I'm going to move on. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll kibitz about TV later. Like I say, the Shecky Awards are on their way. They're coming very soon. I hope you're ready for those, Black Tie. Definitely. And I hope you, the listener, are ready for them as well. Keep those questions going. I enjoyed fielding social our social study. was great Our social last study week. was very fun. So use the hashtag DDFP and send us along some questions, some issues that you'd like addressed here on the show. And, uh, and we will choose the ones that we like best and use them. So uh, what a thrill for you, I imagine. Um all right, so uh, so make sure you do that, and we will, as usual, be back with our Red Challenge Flag pick segment for a gigantic Week 16, at least for some of the teams in the NFL. Make sure you're on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.